What's up, everyone, and welcome back to the Game of Thrones season here on Cinematic Reviews. I'm your host, Chris, and this is a show about all things movie and TV. Every week, I give my thoughts and reactions to the newest releases, beloved franchises like Game of Thrones, and even upcoming projects. You can support the show by hitting that follow button on your favorite podcast service, as well as following the show on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. All those handles can be found on the Cinematic Reviews Facebook page or the show's website at podgepage.com backslash Cinematic Reviews. It helps out a lot, and I really do appreciate all the love and support out there from everyone. Today, we continue our wild yet incredible journey through Westeros with the first five episodes of Season 6, which is one of my favorites of the series. I'm really excited to break this season down, so let's kick things off with some facts about Season 6 of Game of Thrones. Season 6 consisted of another 10 episodes that aired on HBO from April 24th, 2016 to June 26th of the same year. The budget of this season was a lot more than the previous five. It increased to over $10 million an episode, which totaled over $100 million for the entire season. It won many awards, including a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series. Uh, this season is where the story starts to go away from the source material because, well, there wasn't a published sixth book. The books ended with John getting stabbed by his fellow brothers of the Night's Watch. George R. R. Martin did, however, give the creators of the show uh, an outline of the events to come. Seasons 7 and 8 are really where the story is a lot different than what Martin envisioned in his head. Uh, and I'll get into more of that when I break down those two seasons. Season 6... Uh, grabs uh, plot points from books four and five, and then some from two, three, even the first book as well. Um, a lot of it, however, is based on that outline that Martin gave them, uh, which is from his unpublished sixth novel. And then the filming took place in five different countries, Spain, Northern Ireland, Croatia, Canada, and Iceland, which pro but primarily it was filmed in Northern Ireland. Well, that's all the, ha the facts I have for you today on the first part of Season 6. Uh, let's get to my overall thoughts of the season and then to the breakdown. Season 6, like I said, is my favorite season of the series. It's probably going to be taking the number one spot when we get to the rankings at the end of this season. Uh, I just really love it. Uh, the Night King is on the move. Arya is deep into her training in Bravos. Sansa is out of Ramsay's clutches. Daenerys is taken by a Dothraki horde, leaving Tyrion, Varys, Grey Worm, and Missandei in charge of things in Marine. Cersei and Jaime are going up against the High Sparrow in King's Landing. And Jon Snow is back from the grave after being killed by his own men at Castle Black. It's an incredible season filled with more violence, more heartbreak, more sex, even more death, unfortunately. Uh, everything is just kicked up a couple of notches in this season. For the first time in a few seasons, there is actually some glimmer of hope, though, for our favorite characters. Sansa is finally free of Ramsay and under the protection of Brienne. Jon Snow is brought back by Melisandre and hangs his traitorous brothers. Uh, by the way, I fucking hated Alistair Thorne and Ollie. I was... Weirdly satisfied with watching them hang in that episode. Biggest thing was Sansa reuniting with John at Castle Black, though. It was really awesome seeing them together again. It was also really awesome 
that John is free of his vows to the Night's Watch because, well, he literally died. His watch has now ended. I honestly never liked him deciding to join the watch from the very beginning. Uh, I think he belongs with Sansa, Arya, Rickon, and Bran. Uh, with John leaving Castle Black, Ed is now Lord Commander, and rightfully so. We we don't get enough of him in the series, but he's a great character. It's good to know that John has a an ally slash friend, whatever you want to call him, at Castle Black. Uh, with the Night King on the move, John will need all the help that he can get. Unfortunately, at the end of Episode 5, it's not exactly a happy ending. Rickon has been given to Ramsay by the Umbers. Uh, John receives a very disturbing letter from Ramsay stating that he has Rickon and wants uh, Sansa back. Excuse me. Uh, that's the roller coaster that is Game of Thrones. So as soon as we get a glimmer of hope, it's immediately taken away from us. There are a lot of deaths in this first part of the season. We lost Theon's father, Balon Greyjoy, Osha, Alistair, Ollie, and the rest of the brothers who killed John at the end of season five. Doran and Tristane Martell uh, over in Dorne. Bran's direwolf Summer. And, of course, poor Hodor, a.k.a. Willis. That whole sequence with Hodor sacrificing himself when the Night King attacks is one of the most heartbreaking moments of the series, I think. At the same time, we see how Hodor became Hodor, which is a wild uh, and incredibly well-done sequence of events. These first five episodes also have some time travel in it, which I absolutely love. I'm a huge fan of time travel, and I think it was really, really well done in Game of Thrones. I mean, we have fire-breathing dragons and people being resurrected, so why not have time travel in it as well? I freaking love this season, and I'm really excited for today's breakdown. So let's take a quick break uh, before we dive into episodes one through five of season six. On the next new release reaction episode, it's Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and Hugh Grant. They play a band of unlikely adventurers who bark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic. However, things go dangerously array when they run into the wrong people. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is out now, so head over to your local theater and check out this latest fantasy adventure. And then listen to the reaction episode only on Cinematic Reviews. It's time for another season breakdown. Once again, we're going to be doing the standout scenes, favorite quotes, favorite character, at least favorite character, and then any negatives or burning questions that I had during this episode. Uh, so episode one, which is titled The Red Woman. Uh, for standout scenes, I have a few here written down. The first one is Davos discovering Jon's body in the snow. This was a really cool way to open up not just the episode, but the season six premiere. Um, we get we see Davos uh, in Castle Black. Um, he's starts to hear these uh, whispers through the wind at night. Um, turns out it is Ghost um, crying in the kennel because he knows something bad has happened to John. So Davos exits his chamber and sees a dead John out in the snow, covered in blood. Uh, it's a really awesome shot. Um, I love the set piece here of Castle Black and Davos is quick on his feet to uh, to, I guess, tend to John's body. Um, eventually, Ed and the rest of the brothers who support John come out and bring him back inside. So this was a really cool way to uh, 
kind of kick things off uh, to season six. Then we have uh, Blind Arya on the streets of Bravos. Uh, if you remember, uh, at the end of season five, she uh, lost her eyes from the betraying, I guess, the Manifest God. Now she is blind on the streets, begging for money. Um, and then occasionally, uh, the little servant girl from Jockin comes in and kind of spars with her in the streets with their the combat sticks. Really cool choreography here. Um, you can tell that Arya is still kind of confused on what's going on. Is it a test? Is it not a test? Uh, turns out it is a test. And every day she comes by to see how she is. You know, as they play the game of faces and go through this combat sequence. So it's a really interesting place that Arya is right now. Then we have Brienne and Podrick uh, saving Sansa and Theon. Um, and then Brienne... Uh, pledges herself to Sansa once they get rid of the Boltman. Awesome master sequence. Um, Brienne is a total bad la- badass uh, with all this, all of all the fights that she's been involved with. I love the choreography here with the horses. Uh, it's snowing. Uh, we even get some action from Podrick as he's taken on one guy. Brienne is taken on the rest of the group. Naturally, she is the more skilled warrior, but Podrick does hold his own for the most part against this one Bolton soldier. Uh, so it was really cool here. And then we get, like I said, Brienne pledges herself to Sansa. Uh, we get the uh, the tradition of her kneeling down, uh, pledging that she will shoot her back. She will die if she must. And then Sansa in return uh, pledges that she will have a place at her table, a warm bed at night, and that she won't uh, ask anything of Brienne that would bring her to dishonor herself. So it was a really cool sequence here. Uh, finally, we get Sansa uh, in under the protection of characters that we trust. So it was really cool. Then we have Doran Martell, which is uh, Oberyn's brother. And then Doran's son, Tristane. They are killed. Um, Doran is uh, back in Doran. Uh, the Sand Snakes uh, kind of pull a fast one on him and essentially slit his throat in front of everybody. Turns out all of Doran hates him even though he is under the impression that they serve him. Uh, but that is because they are secretly um, scheming an assassination plot behind his back with the Sand Snakes and Oberyn's wife. Um, and then on the ship, we have the other two Sand Snake sisters. Um, they end up killing Tristane in a wild uh, sequence here where, where he gets a spear shoved through the back of his head out of his face. It was really impressive how they were able to pull this off and it's very very violent uh this so this was a crazy crazy part of the episode and then finally we have melisandre showing her true form which i remember when this episode aired and everyone was freaking the hell out um so apparently this necklace that she's been wearing gives the impression of her being this very very beautiful woman um it turns out that she is a very very old and wrinkled and decrepit woman who is just disguising herself as this beautiful uh, being in order to uh, persuade men into doing what she wants them to. So this is a wild sequence. Um, You kind of have a feeling that throughout these seasons that we've known Melisandre that there isn't exactly something right with her. Well, it turns out that she has been living a lie uh, through this fake uh, form of hers. So crazy, crazy 
scene there. Favorite quotes? Um, first one I have is, John was my friend, and those fuckers butchered him. This is from Ed talking to Davos. Then we have, she's good meat, feed her to the hounds. This is Ramsey talking about Miranda uh, when they were kind of inspecting her body, cleaning her up, and instead of burning her like you normally would do, Ramsey, being the psychopath that he is, orders them to just throw her to the hounds as meat. Then the last one I have is fuck fate, fuck destiny, fuck everyone who isn't us. This is Jamie talking to Cersei. Um, really powerful line here. I mean, this is basically how he sees it. It's him and Cersei and their family and nobody else matters. It's only them. So that's kind of the, the code of the Lannisters right now. Favorite character? It's got to be Bran of Tarth. I mean, that action sequence... Uh, when they saved Sansa and Theon was really cool. And then her finally pledging her sword to Sansa and Sansa accepting it was an awesome, awesome moment for the character. So Brienne is definitely my favorite in this episode. And then least favorite is the brothers of the Night's Watch who killed Jon because those bastards deserve to hang, which they do eventually. So definitely my least favorite. And then I did have one negative. Uh, so back to where Melisandre shows her true form as the old lady. Um, that actually creates kind of a plot hole. Um, if you remember, it might've been season two or three, one of the seasons where we first met her. So she is in this tub talking with, uh, Stannis's wife and she's not wearing a necklace yet. She is still in the form of the beautiful red woman. Um, so now with this episode in season six, as soon as she takes it off, she is shown her true form as this old woman. Uh, so I'm not quite sure there. Maybe this is one of those incidents, instances where um, the creators were like, oh, maybe we should uh, make her an old lady. You know what the easiest way to do? Just make her take the necklace off. I mean, that could have been as simple as that. You know, they probably didn't think of it at the time. Um, so, which creates this kind of weird plot hole. But still a wild scene there i just like to bring it up whenever this uh episode is talked about next up we have episode two which is titled home so the first standout scene i have is bran traveling to the past this is where we see a young ned a young uncle benjen a young liana who is the uh, ned and benjen's sister the one that is rumored to have been raped and uh, murdered by one of the Targaryen princes. And then we also get a young Hodor who is Willis before he becomes Hodor. Um, like I said, I love time travel, so I was really, really excited um, about this uh, this show incorporating time travel into it. Um, I think it was really, really well done. Um, we have Bran, who is kind of getting mentored by the Three-Eyed Raven, by, by uh, taking him through these certain events in history to kind of basically become knowledgeable about everything so that he can take over as a three-eyed raven because it is now his time to become that figure in the story um so it was really cool to see um all these all the characters that we have known throughout these seasons uh, as young kids uh growing up in winterfell so that was really cool then we have the free folk and ed taking back castle black from the traitors that killed john Awesome moment here. Um, we get that quick shot of uh, 
I think uh, one of the brothers was shooting an arrow uh, at the giant, and then the giant kind of just squashes the shit out of him with pretty much ease. Um, and then that forces uh, Alistair and the rest of the brothers to uh, surrender, essentially, because they don't want to die over this. So really awesome moment that uh, John does have allies still, even though most of the brothers at Castle Black betrayed him. Then we have Tyrion unchaining Rhaegar and Viserion, two of Daenerys' dragons that we saw get chained up into the underneath the temple. Um, this was a, I love this scene a lot. It's probably my favorite of this episode. Uh, so we get Tyrion and Varys going down here. Of course, Varys, being the smart one, stays up on top of the stairs while Tyrion goes down by himself. Um, he's nervous, he's scared, but he's still kind of confident. Um, that he can persuade these dragons to become his friend because he's well we as we know he's a talker he's a people person he thinks that he can uh persuade these fire breathing dragons to become his friends which he does um he talks about well he's talking to the dragons and it was really really sweet how he was doing this he was petting them he was using a, a little registered voice he was telling the story about how when he was a little boy he all he wanted was one dragon. He, he it didn't have to be a big dragon. It could have been a dragon just big enough for him to ride a small dragon, just like he is a small boy. Um, and I guess this kind of created this bond between him and Viserion and Rhaegar to allow him to take the chains off and not eat him. Um, really, really awesome sequence here. I really love it. Then we have Ramsay stabbing his father and feeding Lady Walda and his new baby brother to the hounds. This is a really fucked up crazy scene. Uh, so first, Ramsay decides to stab Roos Bolton uh, during one of their kind of meetings. Um, turns out that a lot of people didn't like Roos Bolton. Uh, so as soon as he is dead, Ramsay immediately has these allies that were kind of rooting for him behind the scenes. And then once he finds out that Lady Walda has finally had their baby, uh, he orders uh, Lady Walda to come forth and, and meet him in the kennels. Uh, and then it's a really disturbing sequence, but it's still really, really well done. All, everything in this show is really well done, even if it's the violent, fucked up parts like this where he unlocks the kennels and the dogs go and feast on lady walda and the baby and it's just it's terrifying and it's so fucked up but so well done ramsey is a total total psychopath in this then we have lord Greyjoy, uh is killed by his brother i think his brother's name is euron Greyjoy. uh we get that cool uh set piece where they're on this rope bridge it's storming it's raining uh, it's windy they have this back and forth about how Euron essentially left the pike. He was gallivanting, as Theon likes to put it, around the world. Uh, Euron has seen that Balon has been a weak king, and he has done what he's always wanted to do and thrown his ass off the bridge and killed him. So this is a wild sequence here. Uh, great introduction to this Euron character that we will get to know in the coming seasons. Then the last one I have is Melisandre bringing John back to life. Um, 
at first it doesn't seem like it's going to work, but then once everybody leaves the room, we get that awesome shot. It's kind of an aerial shot of Kit Harrington on the table, and he opens his eyes and gasps to life, and he's just kind of freaking out, breathing really hard, and then that's and then it cuts to black. It was really, really well done. Uh, we get that ritual of her speaking to the Lord of Light. She's kind of trimming some of his hair, throwing it into the fire, uh, washing his hair, um, and then puts her hands on his wound and says some more words to the Lord of the Light. And I guess whatever she did do brought John back. And it was an awesome moment to have our beloved Jon Snow back in action. So I actually have quite a few favorite quotes. A lot of them are from that Tyrion scene. Uh, the first one I have is, I've never been much of a fighter. Apologies for what you're about to see. This is from Davos when they're preparing to battle the uh, the brothers who betrayed John before uh, the Red Woman shows up. Uh, just love Davos. Davos is an incredible character. I love that they incorporated some of this humor uh, to him. We're poor and powerless, yet together we can overthrow an empire. This is the High Sparrow speaking to uh, Jamie about how no matter how powerful a king can be, the sparrows have the numbers and they can easily take down an empire, even though that they don't have a lot of money or a lot of power or a lot of status. They have so many supporters that they can easily overthrow the king. So I thought that was a really, really powerful yet kind of scary line to come from the high sparrow. If I lost my cock, I'd drink all the time. This is Tyrion kind of joking to Varys and uh, Grey Worm, who we know are eunuchs. Uh, a couple more lines from Tyrion. I drink and I know things, which has become a very, very popular saying from the show. I have a t-shirt that I'm wearing right now with those exact words on it. Uh, and then the next quote is, next time I have an idea like that, punch me in the face. This is Tyrion after he unchained the dragons. Oh, when he when he meets Varys up there at the top of the stairs afterwards. And then one more line that I wanted to throw in there. I didn't write it down, but I just thought of it was uh when he's walking up to the dragons, he's uh Don't eat the help. I'm your friend. And it was a really cool line. I love I love Peter Dinklage in here. And then the last quote I have is what is dead may never die. This of course is the motto of the Ironborn. Uh really awesome motto. So favorite character, no surprise, is Tyrion. Uh I really love that scene between him and the dragons and how he's Peter Jinklage is just so good. He's, he's warm. He's, he's kind, he's comforting. He throws a little humor in there when it's necessary. It, he's just an awesome character. Definitely top three favorite characters of the show. And then least favorite character has got to be Ramsey. Um, I mean, he, he, he feeds his stepmom and baby half brother two dogs and then stabs his own father in the stomach uh, just a ruthless psychopath who I just absolutely hate. Next is season uh, is uh, of the season breakdown is episode three titled Oathbreaker. So the first scene I have is John waking up on the table. Uh, like I said, uh, the last episode um, ended with him waking up, gasping for air, and it cuts to black. Well, this is essentially... Building on that, where he gets up the table a little bit and he's freaking out. He he's kind of doesn't know exactly where he is, but he's he's also uh, scared that he 
is back and doesn't know he's very very confused on what happened davos comes up to him and kind of uh comforts him and then eventually ed and the red woman come back uh, along with ghost and they kind of just comfort him as he is grasping with reality on what just happened you know he was dead uh and then he came back um melisandre of course naturally asks him what happened after you got stabbed and he admits that nothing was there it was he got stabbed and then he woke up that was it there was nothing in between so really really awesome here i think kit harrington was incredible in this moment he really acted the part as this confused and terrified john waking up from the dead so really really cool moment then we have brand going back to the past this time with a younger ned but a little bit older than what we saw in the first uh time that he went back and then he fights these targaryen soldiers outside this uh sort of castle um really showing that ned was a very skilled warrior but the targaryens were even better um we get this uh story that bran is telling through raven that how his father taught him and his brothers about this specific fight uh and he beat this targaryen soldier who was this known uh great swordsman kind of like jamie is now um but turns out that ned didn't actually kill him he was saved by uh i think it was the reed's father um Turns out he stabbed him in the back, and that's how the story went. But Ned told his children that he was the one that cut down this Targaryen sword master during this fight. So I thought that was a really, really uh, cool moment, um, kind of getting a reality check for Bran uh, about his father. So, And then there was that one part there where uh, Bran is yelling, Father, and Ned uh, hears it, um, the Three-Eyed Raven kind of go, well, he, it was just the wind. He didn't actually hear you. But Bran is like, no, he he, he heard me. He, he heard me say father. So this is kind of hinting that Bran can kind of change the past in a way. So that'll become very, very important later on. Then we have the training montage with Arya and then her getting her eyes back. Uh, I love montages. I think this was a really cool one. She's doing the combat training. She's doing some kind of tests with these uh, these chemicals where she has to match the right powder to the right bottle, uh, even though she is blind the entire time. thought it was really awesome. And then Jockin gives her her eyes back, and it's awesome. We have a Arya back in action with her eyes ready to go. So really, really awesome montage. Then we have Rick on. Be, is given to Ramsey by the Umbers. Uh, totally forgot about Rickon when when we get to this episode. Uh, him and Osha were captured and then given to Ramsey as kind of a gift to show that the Umbers are on the Bolton side when it comes to any kind of battle. Uh, so that was really cool to get Rickon back into the story. And then the last one I have is John hanging the brothers who killed him. Awesome moment here. We get Alistair and Ollie finally getting their punishment for for killing John. Um, the contraption that they used was really cool. So they had him on this like plank here and they have the noose around their necks. And then John, when he's ready, 
cuts the rope and it slingshots the barrels and the plank backwards, causing them to hang. And they're really, really close to the ground. They're only like not even, they're maybe like six to eight inches off the ground. It was a really short gap, but they, they measured it so well to where it's just enough to hang these guys. And it's very, very violent. Um, you, they slowly are, you know, they're fidgeting and they're, they're slowly dying. And then we get that shot of them all hanging like pieces of meat with their eyes are just wide open. They're black. They're just, the life has left them. It was really cool how they did it. Awesome sequence there. So I only have two quotes from this episode. Uh, most of this episode to me was a lot of cool set pieces and, uh, some action sequences. There wasn't a whole lot of quotes that stood out to me, but there were two here. Um, one is from Tormund. I know I saw here Pecker. What kind of God would have a Pecker that small? And then John ending the episode after he hangs him saying, my watch has ended as he gives his Lord Commander cloak to Ed, naming him Lord Commander of the Watch. So awesome lines. Probably one of my favorite lines of the, of the season is my watch has ended and as he walks away like a badass so favorite character is Jon Snow of course uh he's his vows are done he's putting the watch behind him he hung the traitors which was an awesome moment uh so just he's just a great character definitely my favorite of the show then Lee's favorite character is Cersei um she's starting to uh get back to the swing of things after being locked up by the Hare Sparrow uh, but it's just another day in King's Landing. She's trying to overreach. She's trying to uh, still remain the queen, even though everyone sees her as a queen mother, who is, which is basically a made-up title for the mother of the king. She really has no power, even though Cersei is trying to establish herself as the queen, uh, even though she is just really the queen mother. So I just, she's definitely my least favorite here because. She's getting rather annoying. It's kind of like, you know, pack it in. Marjorie is queen. Tommen is king. Just accept it. Deal with it. But her being the stubborn shitbag that she is, she has to have power. She will never be satisfied until she has that crown on her head. So definitely one of my least favorite of this episode, the season of the show, is Cersei Lannister. Even though Lena Headey is such a great actress, she is incredible in this role. Just don't care much for the character. Next, we have episode four, titled Book of the Stranger. First scene I have for this episode is Sansa arriving at Castle Black. Um, I really love the shot of the, the gates opening up slowly, and we get this reveal of Brienne, Sansa, and Podrick on horseback coming in. Uh, then we get Sansa and John kind of like looking at each other in amazement. They're kind of like slowly walking together. And then we get that burst of energy where they just hug each other for a good long while. I uh, just really love this reunion here, especially that shot that I talked about of the, the gate opening. It was like a fuck yes, let's go moment to where Brienne, Podrick, and Sansa are now going to team up with John. Then we have Tyrion telling the slave master his terms of peace. Uh, really cool scene here where Tyrion has easily... Uh, kind of relaxed into this role as a acting king in Marine while Daenerys is gone. Um, we reckon, I recognize some, a couple of these slavers from past episodes, 
Um, so that was cool to get them back. One of the slavers was actually the one that captured Tyrion and Jorah when they were in the fighting pits. And then the other one, I believe, was back when Daenerys was first going to take over Marine. He was one of the slavers that came to the tent uh, and gave her the gold to kind of like as hush money. Uh, but it didn't do anything. So that was really cool to get those two characters back. So Tyrion basically lays it out, out for them like, we want you to end slavery, but we understand that that is a very, very financial hit. So we will give you seven years to kind of come up with a new system in place of slavery so that you can still become profitable, but that still allows people to be free in your city. Uh, I love Miss Sunday's reaction when she hears this, like, wait, so there's going to be slavery, but she's not quite understanding Tyrion's plan here. Uh, she just wanted, she was hoping that Tyrion would just lay the law down like, hey, slavery ends today. No more. He's giving them a seven-year window to slowly uh, get it away and get replaced by some new system. So I thought that was a really cool character moment there. Grey Worm is kind of caught in the middle to where he wants to serve Daenerys while also pleasing Masunde because they have this really, really strong bond together. So I thought that was a really cool scene. Then we have Theon returning to Pike, uh, which is where the Greyjoys live and reign over the Iron Islands. Um, really cool to see uh, Theon and Yara back together. They're kind of on mutual ground now. They kind of bury the hatchet and they agree that Yara should be queen of the iron islands after the passing of their father balon um then we get this cool um ceremony where they take nominations for king uh yara nominates herself with theon backing her but euron shows up at the last second and claims that he should have the throne um Turns out the majority is on Euron's side because he basically promises them a large fleet, lots of land, and they will become allies to King's Landing, to the throne. So that's kind of his way of winning over the crowd. Uh, so this forces Yara and Theon to leave uh, because they are basically afraid for their lives because Euron is probably going to kill them. Um, so they flee to with most of the fleet because Yara is still has a lot of backing, even though it looked like most of them uh, were on Euron's side. And it was really, it was also really cool to get this ceremony of how they kind of the, the coronation of the King of the Iron Islands. So they, they do the little prayer in the water and the guy like actually drowns him. Like Euron was dead. He was, he drowned in that water. Uh, then they bring him back and they kind of just stand there and I guess wait until he comes back to life. If he does come back to life, I guess if, if you come back from that, you are the rightful heir to the, to the throne, I guess it was a crazy ceremony, but it was really cool to watch this all unfold. Then we have Ramsay killing Osha, which is a 
very, very heartbreaking moment. Uh, Osha ended up being one of my, I really liked the character. Uh, you could tell that she really, really cared about Bran and Rickon. So to see her finally, unfortunately, die at the hands of none other than Ramsay, who is the biggest psychopath in this show, uh, was really, really heartbreaking. Um, kind of hoping that she would have lived through this. But unfortunately, Ramsay adds another notch to his belt as he kills her. And the last one we have is the letter that John receives from Ramsey. Uh, really love this scene. Like the contents of this letter. I have it in favorite quotes. Um, I should have written it down. But essentially, so he's basically saying, hey, I have Rick on. Come and get him if you want him. I want my wife back. I want Sansa back. I am going to fuck her in front of you. And then I'm going to kill her. And then I'm going to kill Rickon in front of you. And then once everyone you love is dead, I am going to rick, rip your eyeballs out and murder you. So it was very, very graphic uh, and disturbing letter. Uh, this kind of gives John the motivation to go after Ramsay and take back Winterfell. So just a, another way of showing how fucking sick and psychotic Ramsey is. So favorite quotes, uh, like I said, the contents of the letter I have, Tim, uh, John and Sansa reading out loud. That was really cool. Uh, then we have, I'm tired of fighting. This is John talking to Sansa. I mean, I don't blame him. He's fought White Walkers. He's fought Wildlings. The dude has got to be exhausted. I mean, he died. He just came back to life from being betrayed by his brothers. He is just tired. He wants to be left alone, but with the letter that he received from Ramsey and Sansa kind of talking him into it, kind of motivating him like, this is your family. We need your help. We can't do this without you. John does decide to go after Ramsey and come up with a plan to take back Winterfell. Uh, this one is from Melisandre. He is the prince that was promised. Um, Back when Stannis was alive, and so if you've, if you've seen the show before, it's really cool to go back and watch this because the, the all those seasons where she kept saying that Stannis is the king, in the back of your mind, you're like, no, it's actually John, and we'll find out why John is the actual prince. Um, so this was cool to kind of for the people who haven't seen the show before to actually get this twist on actually Jon Snow is this prince that they've been talking about. The one that's going to defeat the White Walkers and unite the Seven Kingdoms together. So that was cool to finally get Melisandre saying that famous line of he is the prince that was promised. Then we have one from Dario. I should have been part of Dothraki. This is when they are at that camp that Daenerys is being held at. They're seeing the Dothraki party and fuck and eat and drink all over the place. And he's just like, man, I should have been a Dothraki. Look at how fun they're having. So that, that was a cool moment there for the character. And then the last one I have is from Daenerys. You're not going to serve. You're going to die. So I didn't have this scene in standout scenes. I should have, though. Uh, so that scene where she is in that temple, um, the Dothraki warlords are discussing what to do with her. Should she become part of this wives clan of widows that lost the calls? Should she be killed? Should they take turns fucking her? 
Um, turns out Daenerys is like, it doesn't matter what you guys say. I'm not doing what you want. You're just going to fucking die. So we get that cool moment of her grabbing the uh, these stands of fire and just burning down the temple with them all inside, showing that she is the unburnt. She is the mother of dragons, showing her power when it comes to fire. And it was just a really cool, awesome moment. I should have had it in standout scenes, but I didn't. But I'm glad I brought it up here with this quote. You're not going to serve. You're going to die. And, of course, she says this in Dothraki. So it was really, really cool. Favorite character is Daenerys because of that that scene there where she's just roasting these war, these Dothraki lords alive. These calls who just all they have in their mind is, how are we going to fuck her? We're just going to fuck her. We're going to take a train on her. No, it's just... These guys are pieces of shit, and it's so cool to see Daenerys uh, become so powerful to where she has confidence to just say, hey, I'm not taking your shit. I'm just going to kill you, fuckers. So that was really cool to get. Least favorite character, of course, is Ramsay. It, to be honest, these least characters category is probably going to be Ramsay uh, for most of the season. So in this episode in particular, it is Ramsay because of that letter, because he killed Osha. Like, the dude is just a piece of shit, and I hate him. So, definitely least favorite character. He's right up there with Joffrey Baratheon as biggest psychopath in this show. And then we have the last episode of today's episode, which is episode five, titled The Door. So, the first scene I have is Sansa calling Littlefinger out on his bullshit. So, Sansa got this uh, this raven. From Littlefinger asking her to meet. Uh, they meet in this little rundown hut uh, with Brienne behind her. Um, and Sansa basically confronts him, says, Hey, what the fuck's the matter with you? You you married me to Ramsay. He you knew he was a psychopath and you did it anyway. Um, she's essentially admitting that she does not trust Littlefinger and she banishes him from her sight. She wants nothing to do with him. And all I could think of is, thank God, it's about fucking time you opened your eyes, Sansa. Because Littlefinger is the biggest piece of shit in this show. Um, so it was really good to see her finally uh, break off her friendship with Littlefinger and kick his ass to the curb where he belongs. So awesome moment there. Then we have Arya continuing her combat training uh, with the uh, the girl. I can. I'm going to have to research her name but she is that kind of second hand to Jockin. uh i love the choreography in here you can tell that Arya is uh, slowly becoming more skilled as a warrior uh she's becoming more agile more quick more ruthless more fierce more confident it's really cool to see her uh slowly become this this weapon of chaos as she becomes uh no one so really cool then we have Arya watching the play at the uh, about the events of season one, uh, and then a little bit of two is mixed in there. Um, I just really love Maisie Williams' reaction uh, throughout this entire play. It's a really, really well-made play. I mean, the costumes are cool. The acting is okay. There's a lot of humor into it. That seems to be the thing here with these plays in this world is it's, it's built for comedy. It's built for entertainment. Um, so she is sent to this play because her name is one of the actresses in this play, the one that plays Cersei. Um, but we, but the entire time we get this cut back to her in the crowd 
in her little uh her clam uh saleswoman outfit um so and she's just shocked and kind of angry at this whole reaction this whole play and how it's unfolding and them telling the story uh they make Ned star look like an idiot they make Tyrion look like he is the mastermind behind everything joffrey is a little shit and a, and a mama's boy um and then we get that shot of uh this actress who's playing Sansa comes out and the Tyrion actor rips open her dress and her her tits are flying out. Um, it's just a really big fuck you to the Starks and some, Arya was just appalled by this whole thing and I love Macy Williams' reaction uh, throughout this entire play. Then we have Bran going back to the past once again. Uh, this time he witnesses the children of the forest creating the White Walkers which was a really big, big reveal. Uh, it turns out that the Children of the Forest created these White Walkers to battle the men because the men were wreaking havoc on the land. So the Children of the Forest needed help. So they turned uh, the men into the White Walkers so that they could wipe out men. So it was really big reveal there. Uh, we get that one... Uh, I think there's another one. Oh, that comes out later, actually. So I'll save that in a minute. Uh, the next scene I have is Daenerys. He, she orders Jorah to go heal himself from the grayscale of that that disease that uh, Stannis' daughter had. Uh, as we see, it's basically covered his entire, I think it's his left arm, is completely covered in it. Um, so he must say his goodbyes to Daenerys. It's a very, very emotional scene. Um, these two characters have been at odds with each other. Uh, well, mainly Daenerys. Daenerys has been pretty much pissed off at Jorah the last season, but he just keeps coming back because he loves her so much. And we get this really powerful and emotional uh, goodbye to where Daenerys uh, orders him to not die. She says, I order you to find a cure to this and to heal yourself. And he, ag he agrees that he will go find a cure for this disease. And it was... And Amelia Clark is really good in this moment. She's in tears, but she's trying to fight it because she's still kind of angry, but she can't believe that Jorah may die, the person that has been by her side since episode one. Um, so, yeah, it was just a really emotional uh, goodbye between the Daenerys and Jorah character. Then this is the scene I was going to get to. So the Night King uh, is revealed to be able to see and touch Bran when he's warging into the past, or in this case, the present. Um, we get that shot of Bran in the middle of all these whites, kind of just frozen in time, and he's kind of walking through it like a maze. And then he gets to the White Walkers and the Night King, and the Night King turns to him, and Bran freaks out that he can see him. And then the Night King actually grabs Bran's arm because we can see when he's done warging that there is a. They, a print of an ice hand on his wrist. So that was a really cool reveal that the Night King is really freaking powerful to where not even the, the three-eyed raven could stop him. And then we get this final sequence here uh, with the Night King attacking. Uh, he's able to locate Bran because of him warging. Uh, so he shows up at the tree where the three-eyed raven lives. Uh, so he attacks. We get the children of the forest throwing these firebombs at him. They light these lines of fire but 
the Night King is so powerful to where he just freezes the fire and walks in. Um, they hack down the Three-Eyed Raven, so he's dead. Summer sacrifices herself uh, as she uh, runs into this pile of whites, and they stab her to death. Um, sucks seeing a dire wolf die, so that will leave uh, Ghost uh, as the only dire wolf left because when we saw Rickon, being uh being handed over to Ramsey by the umbers the umbers show that they cut shaggy dog's head off which was another powerful moment because i hate seeing these dire wolves die that are awesome so that leaves ghosts left as the last dire wolf of the starks um well we still have arias um uh, by so she is out there too so i guess i should correct myself there there's two dire wolves left one for sure that we see consistently is ghost uh so summer unfortunately dies and then Hodor sacrifices himself. So this is where we get that crazy um, sequence. So Bran is curious. Um, so he goes back to the past, to that moment where uh, he's watching his father, uh, Ned, talk to his father. Um, and then we get, uh, I think, yeah, Eddard Stark talking to Ned, who is also at Ark Star. It's kind of confusing with them having the same names. But regardless, so he's watching them, and then he sees Hordor off to the side. So while he's warging, that's when the Night King attacks. Uh, and then all this chaos goes. So you have Mira yelling at Bran while he's warging to... He has to control Hordor, or they're going to die. So what does he do? He uses past Hodor to warg into present Hodor so that he can fight the whites and get Bran and Mira out of there. So this is where we get that scene where he's where Mira and Bran both tell him to hold the door. So Hodor in the present is holding this door against these uh whites coming in so that the Mira and Bran can escape the tree. Um this causes so Bran warging into present or in past let's just say so he's warging into Willis to get to Hodor. Because they are connected to the same person. It's it's weird. I finally was able. This is one of my burning questions going into here. Like what exactly did. How did Willis become Hodor? So I finally researched it for the show today. And, I'm, and I paid really attention to the episode. When I rewatched it. So what happened was. Bran was in the past. During this entire sequence. He hears Mira saying. We need your help. We need Hodor to live. So he sees Willis off to the side when he's watching Ned talk to his father. And he wargs into Willis, telling him to hold the door, which echoes into the present to Hodor, telling him to hold the door. So because of this warging mind meld thing that's going on between his two periods of time, it causes Willis to have this seizure collapse to the ground screaming hold the door hold the door hold the door and he's seizing so much that the words start to slur and it becomes hodor 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 and then it kind of that's what happened to him that's why he is the way he is it's because he had this seizure from bran warging through him to get the present hodor to where he becomes hodor so Bran didn't just go back to change history. He created history. 
he is the reason why Hodor is the reason he is Hodor. So it's this weird loop of turn of events that happens. Time travel is such a mystery. Um, but that's essentially what happened was Bran caused Willis to turn into Hodor. So I'm glad I finally paid attention to that and was able to comprehend what's going on because every time I watched this episode, I was so confused on what was going on. So I did a little research. I read some reviews. I paid really close attention to what was going on in the scene. And most of the fans of the show came up with the same conclusion that I did was that Bran used Willis to get to Hodor because they needed help against the Night King. And that just caused Willis to have this seizure, turning him into Hodor. So that's what happened there. So incredible sequence of events there. Again, I love time travel. I think it was really well done for the most part in this uh, in this show. So I was really, really impressed by it. So some favorite quotes here. Um, I can still feel what he did to me standing here right now. This is Sansa talking to Littlefinger at their little meeting about how she, everything that Ramsey did to her, she can still feel physically, emotionally, mentally. It lives with her still standing right there in that moment. So, and it's just another big fuck you to Littlefinger. Like, you fucking knew what kind of person he was, and you still arranged the marriage between them. And just, Littlefinger's such a piece of shit. Uh, the actor is is incredible in the character. Just the character itself. Such a horrible human being. Does death only come for the wicked and leave the decent behind? This is Jockin, uh asking this kind of rhetorical question to... Uh, Arya thought that was a really clever line there. What is dead may never die. Again, this is the model of the Ironborn. I just really, really love it. Every time I hear it, I just want to repeat it six times. What is dead may never die. It's a really cool model. If you have to fight, win. This is Eddard Stark talking to his son, Ned. Uh, in the past, this was the kind of the conversation that Bran was watching before the, the Hodor mess. Uh, he was kind of teaching Ned on the reality of fighting. You know, if you're going to get into a fight, you better freaking win that fight. And then the last line I have is Willis uh, in that in that past sequence where he's yelling, hold the door, hold the door, to where it slurs into Hodor, Hodor, Hodor. So that was a really cool there. Favorite character, it is Willis slash Hodor. I mean, we love Hodor. Uh, unfortunately, he died sacrificing himself to save Bran and Mira. Uh, but such a an awesome and lovable character will be greatly missed. It sucks that he had to die, but he did his duty and he protected Bran and Mira from the whites. Least favorite character is night is the night King. Cause he killed my dude Hodor. I, I, I can't allow it. Least favorite character automatically because he killed my dude Hodor rest in peace. Hodor, AKA Willis. So, well, that is part one of season six breakdown. Uh, I'm loving this season. Again, this is like my fifth time going through this show, and I'm glad I made this a part of the podcast. Uh, the second part of season six is where it really ramps up. Those are my favorite episodes 
especially the Battle of the Bastards, which I'm excited to break down and talk about for the show. So until next week. Well, that'll do it for this week's Game of Thrones episode. Like I said, next week will be the episode 6 through 10 season 6 breakdown, which includes my favorite episode of the series, The Battle of the Bastards. Um, Also, check out new release reactions every week on the show. Uh, Next up, I will be reacting to Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, which stars Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, and Hugh Grant. Later, everyone.